is time for Around the 412 with Smitty and Tyler. Welcome back to another episode of Around the 412. I am Tyler. With me, as always, is Mr. Nose Ring Boy himself, Smitty. Be sure to go follow us on all of our social medias at Around the 412 and go check out our pin tweet on X, as well as the links in the description of the show where we've got year six of Rocket Around the 412. It's our Christmas funder. I'm sure all of you have heard all about it over the past several years. Over the past five years, we've been able to raise over $25,000 with the help of everybody that's been able to donate to provide Christmas for the children in our local 724 and 412 area codes because me and I never really had to worry about where Christmas was coming from growing up. So we wanted to be able to give back and provide some of these kids with the same opportunities that we had around the holidays. So if you want to check that out, the link is in the description of each of these shows on the listening platform as well as in the YouTube. And like I said, it is our pinned tweet on X. Um, And also you can check out the Everything Custom Designs. Uh, We've been talking about getting the, the... trick-or-treat bags but it's too late for that hopefully you got them (laughs) hopefully you got them it's a little too late for that but you know there's some how there halloween's coming up but also some other holidays are coming up as well so you'd be able to get uh check out a like kitchen apron for thanksgiving time or maybe even some like christmas uh pajamas or something like that maybe a santa claus hat maybe anything like that not a normal hat but it's our friend Haley wagner so if you want to go check that out it's it's a uh, local small business in the beaver county area we have a facebook and an etsy link so go check that out and see what she can get for you but it's not going to be a normal hat no but shout out to pittsburgh clothing company too that's who i'm rocking right now on the hat since Haley doesn't have them also which we've really never talked about but would apply at any point in time but especially with christmas like you can use these as gifts too you know like customized gifts that she can do for your kids your grandchildren whoever you know customized clothing is is really cool so uh and also she's done around the 412 stuff before so if you want to have her make an around the 412 shirt the exact same ones that she made for me Please do. Uh, but also shout out uh, to somebody else. Game Changers based out in L.A. They got they sent me some shirts. I'm wearing one right now. Roberto Clemente. This thing is fire. I don't know if you guys saw the picture that I put up, but they, I got T.J. Watt one. I got a Yammer Yager one and I got a Sean Taylor uh, University of Miami one. So awesome. They're like I don't even know how to describe them. They're like a heavier material. They call them like heavyweight material. Mm-hmm. Um, but It's like an oversized T-shirt huge fan of that company so you probably see me shout them out on uh, twitter and instagram already so go give them a look really cool a lot of pittsburgh stuff too i think they got at least like 20 designs that are pittsburgh based so go oh, check wow. that stuff out um but all right let's jump into the steelers um big win over the los angeles rams and uh, you know jokingly before we started recording we were talking just like how we always do before and we were saying just you know basically talking trash on the pirate the penguin well we always the pirates on the penguins the way that they've gotten <laughs> out of the gates this year and saying how they suck and then i said yeah and the steelers suck too but they always just find a way to win they don't, they don't suck but uh they don't look like a four and two team <laughs> until the fourth yeah. quarter um, the way that they're able to turn on a switch within the fourth quarter, you know, the defense obviously is what keeps them in the game. And then you get to the fourth quarter and you get Dan Marino at quarterback and Kenny Pickett. Um, <laughs> I, I, and, and Alan and I have had so many discussions about this. We can't, there's nothing there that you can like, just say, this is the reason why this is happening. But I feel like we have enough evidence going back to Pitt and into, you know, his first 18 starts in the NFL here now to say like, this is a legit thing. Like if you get the football in his hands with a chance to win a game, you can feel good about him doing it. The problem is, you know, is the defense always going to be able to keep 
the opposition down enough where that is the case, where you have him getting the football in his hands with a chance to go and win that game. It's obviously impressive. We've talked about this before, too. It's why you can't be fully out on Kenny Pickett. Like You can't just write off the amount of game-winning drives and fourth-quarter comebacks that he's had in such a short career. But it's so maddening to not be able to like pinpoint the reason that he can't do this for three quarters, and then all of a sudden this other guy shows up for the fourth quarter. It is pretty wild. I wanted to look at his splits um, based off of his quarters this year. He's definitely better in the second half overall, and then the fourth quarter actually is his best quarter. So that not just the, the eyeball test, but the stats also back this up. Um, whenever he is playing in the fourth quarter, he has a almost 73% completion percentage. He has mm-hmm. also he has has the most yards in the fourth quarter over any other quarter that he has. It, it's it is a weird thing, and there's nothing to really go off of it. You guys are right. Then that's the peculiar peculiar part. Is like, is this just a Kenny Pickett thing, or is this more so like as the game moves on? Not just he's getting better throughout the game, but like the offense as a whole is getting better throughout the game. So it's going to make him look like he's just getting better in the fourth quarter. And it could be a little bit of both. Like it, obviously, like as you're playing the game, you're going to feel out the defense, learn what you can do early on, what how you can move the ball and such. So maybe that's just a case of Canada and the rest of the offense figuring out what moves the ball and by the time the fourth quarter rolls around. And so they know how to execute the offense better. Um, but it is interesting to look at, even like you said, going back to Pitt, it seemed like Kenny always played better when he was under this pressure. And he had several game-winning drives at Pitt, especially his senior year. I believe he had seven his senior year. Yeah. Yeah. It's something that he has a knack for. It's obviously something you don't want to have a knack for. You don't want to have to be in that situation all the time. But at least I'm, I feel comfortable saying that we have a clutch quarterback, and which is weird to say because I don't, I can't really say necessarily that we have a good quarterback, but we do have a clutch quarterback, and I think there's a difference. Yeah, uh, here's just some numbers on this too. And again, you know, we're talking PFF here, so you take this with a grain of salt. Just adding some context here, but like this is so the vast difference. Like I had to bring this up. Quarters one through three, fifty three. PFF passing grade, six yards per attempt, and a 75.9 passer rating. Quarter four, 78.2 PFF passing grade, 10.1 yards per attempt, and 102.8 passer rating. Now, the difference in terms of where he ranks lead wide there go from quarters one through three being 34th ranked, 33rd ranked, and 32nd ranked, respectively, to fourth, first. He is first in the NFL in yards per attempt in the fourth quarter and fifth in the NFL in passer rating in the fourth quarter. What in the world is happening in the fourth quarter that isn't happening in quarters one through three? Like, it is I, – I do think it is the entire – I don't think it's just Kenny. I do think it is, mm-hmm. you know, the entire offense because if you look at this Ram, Rams game specifically, that's the game I really want to focus on because it's the one that just happened. In the second half, I think they found some answers here. And, it, you know, I, we have several times had the conversation on here like, oh, did the offense break through? Is there something that we can look at and say this is going to continue to carry over? I think the difference here for me, though, is they had this bye week. 
we we talked about it last week. Like, were they going to be able to do what they did last year out of the bye week and be able to self-scout, look at things that they did well, and then do it on Sunday? And I think that that happened. You looked at there, – there was one play. I think that their best play of this season came in this game, and it wasn't even like a long game, and it wasn't even a touchdown. They, they've been really good at running trap lately. And you can mm-hmm. only do this against certain teams because if you have like teams that like two gap or something, you're not going to be able to do it. The Rams don't do that. So the Steelers kind of exploited that. But here's what they did differently on this t- this one. They ran play action out of it. And I'll, you'll remember the play as I'm going through it here. And then Kenny rolls out and hits Connor Hayward, who mm, I mean, yep. it's like an eight yard gain. He gets tackled at the two. But the play was such a cool concept to me, and it was different. And I think that that is the type of thing that people are looking for. That's been my biggest gripe with Matt Canada. It's not necessarily the plays themselves. Everybody in the NFL has the same plays. Maybe not the sequence in which they're calling them. There's not going to be a huge difference between, you know, Sean McVay. Let's go to Sean McVay because that's who we just played. Between his actual playbook and Matt Canada's playbook in terms of the plays that they are calling. What is different, obviously, the execution of them, but also the way that they dress them up and the way that they sequence them and how you build off of them. I thought it was really cool to see them build a passing play off of this trap run that they've been so successful doing. So to me, that was the the play call of the year so far for Matt Canada, and it was like a seven or eight-yard gain just because it was something different. Is that the one where... Connor Hayward got tackled on like the two or three. He got tackled at the two. And yeah, I'm sure he's here. We, we, me, I just talked with Chris and Allen on today's afternoon drive. And we were saying like, yeah, he definitely heard about not getting in the end zone from Cam. <laughs> he had to, but you're, you're right. I, I think that when you have plays like that, that are successful, you can open up more, more designs in your playbook, which helps out a coordinator um, and helps out the offense in general. Like you were saying, there's not like a ton of variety when it comes to, the actual plays being called from one coordinator to the other. It's how they set up their formations and how they disguise those plays that are being being called in the situations that they're in. Um, they don't they don't have a situation like nobody could have seen what K- Connor Hayward was going to do with Kenny Pickett rolling route on that play, except they were able to do it. And so that's that's a credit to them being able to use the trap in the the early parts of that game and working towards that. That's kind of what you what you want to get to over all the aspects of your offense, not just in the trap and not just in that run game. Um, I was curious to look at, so so we looked at uh, Kenny Pickett in the fourth quarter. I was curious to look at guys besides Kenny Pickett. So, and it's more specifically the running backs, how they varied yeah, from good. first quarter to fourth quarter. And I was just looking at on a season split, um, Najee Harris's best quarter is the third quarter, like by far. Mm-hmm. Over the, the other quarters, he, he has gained 48 yards in the first quarter, 57 yards in the second quarter, and 44 yards in the fourth quarter. In the third quarter of this season, he's gained 151. Um, and Jalen Warren's best quarter, by far, is the fourth quarter. So not only is mm. Kenny Pickett getting better, yeah, the entire you have time. your running backs, as the game goes, goes on, get better with him, with him. So there's probably some correlation there as to as to the whole offense gets better as the games move along. It'd be nice to be able to start a game and and not have yeah. to wonder what is going on. But, you know, the baby steps. We I, It's hard to complain about wins. Um, mm-hmm. So so there's that. But there's still things to critique for sure. I, I think that this, this game specifically, 
um, for the Steelers. I thought that they they took some strides offensively um, in certain aspects, like you mentioned, like the 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 Connor Hayward play call. That's probably the best play call individually of the year. Um, still not perfect, but I thought that the offensive line even looked pretty good at, at, at certain parts of this game, especially run and blocking. One the, and the one guy that we questioned the week prior. Why is Dan Moore Jr. coming back? <laughs> he had a pretty good game himself. It, it was hard to argue mm-hmm. that Broderick Jones should have been in over him because of the performance that he had. So despite still wanting to complain about the defense and the fan base not being uh, – or the, uh, the offense, excuse me, and the fan base still being upset about the offense overall, I think there's still some things that we can look at and say, like, they are doing a good job and they are getting better in these aspects, game in and game out. I think Dan Moore saved the coaching staff from having to answer a lot of questions and like that being oh, a yeah. huge talking point of the week. I mean, if he didn't play well in this game, could you imagine the conversation that that would be going on right now around Pittsburgh? Like with it, us right now, what would we be talking about uh, if Absolutely. he didn't go out there and play well? And again, it doesn't mean that I agree with the decision, but I think you got to you know tip your cap to, to Dan Moore specifically for going out there and doing that and, and really like, I don't want to say picking up the coaching staff, but because they feel like they made the right decision, they don't feel like that needs to happen. But again, protecting them from having to answer any questions about the decision because he went out there and played, I thought as well as he could in this game, specifically run blocking. I thought that they were really good in um, Isaac Samalo. I feel like has continued to stack and, and get better week in and week out. But the one guy that we've really talked about on the offensive line, Mason Cole, uh, I had ease. I mean, low bar to say it was his best game of the season with how he's played up until that point, but really good. I thought in this one, and he also didn't allow pressure. He had 28 pass blocking reps or, and didn't allow a single pressure. So, and that's going, you know, he saw a lot of time against Aaron Donald when it wasn't him. You know, there's, I, I honestly like there's not another guy I can name in the interior of that Rams defensive line. But again, when you're talking about having the type of season that Mason Cole had up to that point, I, I thought that was a pleasant surprise. James Daniels got back in there. He had a really nice seal um, on the Jalen Warren touchdown, climbing to the second level. Um, and yeah, I, I was really impressed with what those guys were able to do as a run blocking unit for sure. Uh, Chooks took a holding penalty. He did give up a sack. Um, although in the one was like the second play of the game or whatever, I, there was obviously miscommunication on there because the guy just comes off the edge unblocked. Like Chooks, I, I think that he thought Connor Hayward was going to block on it and that clearly wasn't the plan. So I don't know what went wrong there. Um, but yeah, I was impressed with the offensive line performance. I was also impressed with the receivers to get Deontay Johnson back um, was obviously, I, I think that we knew it was going to be a huge addition for this offense. They've only gotten to play three quarters together up until that point. You know, the first three quarters that San Fran game before Deontay got hurt, um, you know, uh, personal fouls aside in this game, which accounted for like 70 some yards and penalties for the team. When you consider the yardage lost on that Pickens crackback block. Um, but those penalties aside, that duo is, is really good. And I, I think going back to a conversation we had earlier, just a perfect compliment to each other. You know, you have Deontay who's like a route technician can create separation against anybody finds the soft spots and coverages as good as anybody at finding blind, blind spots can run every route in the tree. And then you got George, who uh, the the other parts of his game have really started to develop. But, I mean, I, I would say if you're looking at like a go-to play this year for the Steelers, it's probably that back shoulder to George right now. That's been, you know, their bread and butter, and they know that they can go to that anytime. 
Um, but he's been really good after the catch this year. I believe he's actually right now leading the league in um, yards per reception, if I'm not mistaken. I, I think that he overtook whoever it was. I think he's at like 21.2 yards for something like that per reception right now, which if I'm not mistaken, if uh, stats guy Daniel, if I was reading that stat correct, actually I should, should just pull it up and then I can give Daniel. He, he's first in something. He is first in something for sure. I can't find if he's first in yards per reception right now. Right right now, he's averaging 18 and a half yards per reception. Oh, the, the stats guy, Daniel, look at this. He's catering this specifically to, for the Steelers. Yards per reception since week two. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> uh, is George Pickens number one, 21.1. Nico Collins, 20.3. Brandon Ayuk, 17.4. But. You know, I I appreciate him just totally eliminating the point still stands to make uh, George Pickens number one there. But um, no, I I think it goes back to another point that we've tried to make here where, you know, even if it wasn't showing in the box store on a week to week basis, it is very clear that George Pickens has taken a year to leap. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that he's one of the more dominant players on the field, even when he's not getting the ball, you can see. Uh, like some of those all 22s that you get see posted after the game happens. So you just see how much better he is than, than his opponents that he's going up against. And some of those routes that he's winning that he's not even getting the ball to. Um, I I think that he's taken a huge leap. This is a, the receiver that we were hoping we were getting the, the one that nobody wanted to touch in the first round all because of the character issue stuff that people were worried about. And you see the talent that, he has because people were saying that this guy should have been a round one receiver, but he wasn't. And so that's to the benefit of the Steelers and the benefit of the Steelers. Like you had mentioned, getting Deontay Johnson back. That was one of my keys to the game, like getting him involved early on in the offense, the quarterback's best friend. I thought that they were great together and having Deontay Johnson back opens up George Pickens even more. And I think that they both ended the game with five receptions. I believe I know George went over a hundred and Deontay had around 80, I mean, they, they both had he, solid days. He would have been over 100 if, like I said, that crackback block yeah. that George took eliminated Deontay's. He would have had six for over 100 if that mm-hmm. counted. Yeah, so they both had good days, and I think that this is going to be great for the offense and more specifically Kenny Pickett, as we had mentioned several times. Like Deontay Johnson is going to help Kenny Pickett feel more comfortable, which speaking of comfortable, I feel like – Kenny Pickett did look a little more comfortable in the pocket this time. He didn't spin himself into sacks, um, which is something that is progress because we've seen that for several weeks in a row is a big issue with Kenny is I don't know if it's just the mentality of like his internal clock is too fast for himself and he has to get out of the pocket because he feels the pressure is coming before it's actually there. But even in, I think it was uh, somebody posted it on Twitter and it was a play where he could have spun out and he could have spun into a sack, but instead he, he, he steps up in the pocket and delivers a dart of a throw. I, I think that that's progress you're seeing from Kenny, which helps this offense overall, but it helps Kenny to progress as a quarterback because he's getting those tendencies out of his system. I'm sure that's something that they have to be focusing on because if we can notice it, I know the coaching yeah. staff is noticing it. And like it's like you have to work on this. You have to not create that mindset where you feel the pressure. You have to stay in the pocket and let the play, play progress around you. Even if the pocket is collapsing, step up to it if you need to. Just do not basically spin yourself into a sack yourself because that's just hurting the offense. 
I mean, without knowing for sure, you would have to think that that was a primary focus for them during the bye week was, you know, you, you talk about self-scouting. I, how many times have we seen that on tape? Imagine how many times they've watched that same thing happen over and over again this season with him. And I'm sure they saw it at Pitt too. You know, we've talked about that. It wasn't something that that was a bad tendency of his that you got to try to break. You know, it's a habit that he, that he was able to get away with in college and it has not happened. It's not going to happen in the NFL. So you got to try to find a way to break that. And, uh, you know, I, hopefully this game was a step in the right direction. I'm sure they've watched this game over several times. We know that Kenny watches every single play of his over. So, you know, maybe he saw, okay, here's what I was doing in the first three quarters. Towards the end of the third quarter, it started to, to pick up. Look at what I was able to do in the fourth quarter. How do we keep this rolling, you know, and get started faster? So uh, hopefully we see that from the offense. I do want to say, um, and, and we'll carry this over into a conversation about the defense too, Um is it time to have a conversation about Allen Robinson? Like, especially in the absence of Pat Fryermuth, you're really getting nothing in terms of pass catcher. Like we just talked about how good Deontay Johnson and out and uh, George Pickens are as a duo. But you know, I I think you got to have a reliable number three option behind those guys. And and as much as I like Calvin Austin, what I think he is is a vertical threat gadget player who's really good as like a fourth option. I don't see him being that number three. And I really think this is going to get highlighted as we go on more games without Pat Fryermuth. And I don't think that his return is, is, is on the, I mean, to place a guy on IR before we're like a couple days after he got hurt, knowing he's going to miss at least a month. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he misses most of the rest of the season based off that injury. So I'm not saying specifically this name, but, they were listed as the betting odds favorite, not just among the favorites for DeAndre Hopkins. Um, do you think that maybe they should look to add another pass catcher? In the absence of Pat Fryermuth, I don't think it hurts. When you look at Allen Robinson, what he's done through six games with the Steelers. He's so cooked. I mean, he's just, 82% he snap count, by the way. He's been on the field over yeah. 80% of the time, and he only has... 18 catches because he's a good blocker like that's all they're asking him to do but he can't separate like he he's his injuries and it's not all his fault his injuries have completely sapped him of his athleticism he just he can't do it yeah i think your prediction of him leading the team in touchdowns <laughs> uh despite I, yeah. having like a third of the catches is not gonna i mean i might i might be somewhat close on the number of catches but yeah, yeah, <laughs> maybe you're close on the catches, but I mean, he's averaging three receptions for 24 yards in a game and he's still on the field over 80% of the time. And I get it, it's for the blocking, but for what you want the improvement in the passing game to be now, granted getting Deontay Johnson back, that helps a lot in the passing game, but you're still lacking. And I feel like teams, once you play teams with good secondaries, they can make you more one dimensional if you only have two pass catchers. Because honestly, after after Deontay and after uh, after George, you could make the argument that Connor Hayward or Jalen Warren is probably our best pass catcher after those two right now. And so, yeah. with that being said, I my thoughts on on DeAndre Hopkins are if there is a trade there that could make sense for the Steelers, I'm open to the idea. But it depends on what they want for a return. I think the Steelers could probably come up with some sort of return for them. But is it going to be enough that the Titans would be okay with? 
And is it something that's not going to be matched or beaten by some other team that wants DeAndre Hopkins? I think that's right. the trouble like, that the Steelers are going to have to think with what they're getting from their like why why would the Chiefs not be in on this? You know, like adding yeah. something to Travis when Travis Kelsey's been their only reliable weapon. Like I, I don't know. That's who I think of immediately. Yeah, the Chiefs would make a lot of sense. I mean, a- after Travis Kelsey, what like Sky Moore, Tank Dell, like Kadarius you're relying Tony. on a second. It's uh, Kadarius Tony. You're relying on a second and and uh, first year receiver as you're like your top two that aren't really producing that much outside of like Travis Kelsey. The offensively passing, they're not really producing that much. That would make sense. So I think that teams are going to beat the Steelers, whatever the Steelers would offer. I don't even know what the Steelers would offer, to be completely honest. Like, how much is DeAndre Hopkins worth to them? I don't think yeah, it's no, that much. Like, got, if if you're going next to year under his contract, if the team wants it, but it's it, I think it's relative. I don't want to say like expensive, but it's not cheap for him. Um, which you know is that a benefit to the team or? more to the player I, I don't know so i think that somebody would probably give them a third i don't know if the steelers would give them a third yeah that's that's the part where i'm just like i don't know if it's worth it um mainly because also where is he playing on the field i'm sure it's deandre hopkins yeah. you're gonna find room but who's gonna be moving around because you're keeping george on the outside so does that mean deontay just goes back to the to being a slot receiver and you have DeAndre Hopkins on the outside. That's what I would presume would happen. And then when mm-hmm. Pat Fryermuth does come back, I guess that opens things up there. I don't know. I'm, I'm intrigued by the idea for sure, just because of the lack of of pass catchers that they do have right now. Um, but once Pat Fryermuth comes back, I feel like my want for DeAndre Hopkins might go down. But who knows? I mean, maybe, maybe Pat, Pat Fryermuth does come back and uh, it's still mainly mainly George and, and Deontay, because we haven't, we didn't really see a lot of Pat Frymuth in when he was healthy anyway. Uh, There wasn't that, that great of a connection with him and Kenny in the early parts of the season. So Mm -hmm. I, I'm at least open to the idea. I don't think that the Steelers will do it. That just, I, although then again, maybe I'm wrong. Let let me just, let me say this. Like maybe I am wrong and that they, that's something that they will do because I have to get out of my head the way that the Steelers operate because in my head, I still think the Steelers operate where it's like, if we're not, we don't trade for players in season. Like I just remember whenever the Minka trade happened, how abnormal that felt. Mm-hmm. And then I, I, I look at them in the, the next year trading up in the draft to get Devin Bush. I mean, that didn't work out, but just for them to be do something like that was so unstealer like it felt. And so to 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 have that happen, maybe I should change my mindset of this is something that Omar Khan, and, and that's another thing, Colbert is gone. So maybe that's a Colbert mindset that I have. Omar Khan has shown to be a little more aggressive with what he's doing as a GM. So maybe that is a realistic possibility. And those odds makers are correct that the Steelers should be the odds on favorite to, to get DeAndre Hopkins. Listen, I'm not going to complain about DeAndre Hopkins at all. I think that he's still a solid receiver. I think anybody who thinks he's not a good receiver at all, that I think it's crazy to, to, mm-hmm. to say that he's washed. Um, I think he still has value that he could bring to the Steelers. But I just don't know that it's going to to be able to work out in, in the end. Like, I don't think that they're going to get a deal done. And honestly, who knows if the Steelers even have any interest. 
Yeah. I, so, excuse me. Like, I think from I would like to add another pass catcher for sure. While we're about to talk about the defensive side, and the, I would address that side of the football first. Um, I think that they could definitely use a pass catcher. I just question if there's a little bit of redundancy between what DeAndre Hopkins brings and what George Pickens brings to the table. Like, would it make more sense if we're talking about a way to get Allen Robinson off the field to look to add a more natural slot? Like, I, I don't know, call the Raiders about Hunter Renfro or something like that. As I saw you tweet to, about that today. Yeah, as opposed to a guy that strictly is going to play on the outside, or you would think, get a guy that lets you keep, you know, Deontay and George on the outside and can just feast in the slot because right now i mean watching the raiders i don't see anything different about hunter renfro on tape he's just not getting the ball for whatever reason so i think hunter renfro still is a pretty good player now don't love the contract that's you know another issue but um i mean for some reason he got like two void years after next year next year his um his salary is like 13 million or something like that uh 11 11 million base salary, 13 million cap hit somewhere around there. Um, I, so I don't know. I don't, I don't know how you work around that aspect of things, but just from a football standpoint, I think a guy like that doesn't have to be Hunter Renfro, but a guy like that makes more sense than looking at a DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah, DeAndre Hopkins, if you're just looking strictly at contract, would be a better option for the Steelers just because he would cost less than Hunter Renfro would. Hunter, Ren- you're right. Hunter, which is crazy. Hunter, which, is, which is crazy. Hunter Renfro does have a cap hit of uh, 13.1 next year, and then there's a potential out after that. But mm-hmm. if you kept, he would it would be 13.7 the year after that, and Hunter Renfro would be 29 years old that year. Yeah. Um, obviously, the contract itself you're, you're not in love with, but I think Hunter Renfro, a player, um, he, he's been a solid NFL player. He, he's been a solid slot receiver for the for the Raiders, and that's, that's something that I think that the Steelers could definitely use as a really solid slot receiver um, in, in this offense because we've kind of talked about how Pat Fryermuth is your true slot receiver whenever he's on the field. Um, so to yeah. be able to add that element to the offense, I'd be open to that. I do think that you're right that even though Deontay could move into the inside with a slot, if you did get a guy like DeAndre Hopkins, I think he's best suited to stay on the outside and have George on the outside as well, and then you bring in somebody that could could be in that slot receiver. And it's funny that we're ta- probably people are questioning listening to this like you guys are talking about slot receiver. We have Calvin Austin there right now, I'm like, but that's. Not, yeah. not the point. Not, not gonna work. Um. So if you're gonna get a true slot receiver, you're gonna have to go out and get one. Yeah. I think with Deontay, man, like, yeah, you can move him inside, but guys that can separate on the outside, they're not, you know, they don't grow on trees. So I think that they, the Steelers' offense is best suited if he can stay on the outside. Um. I want to flip the strip to the defense, and we'll talk about the performance they had in this game first and foremost. Even when he's not getting to the quarterback. Even when he doesn't get a sack in a game, it's still TJ Watt that turns this football game around. That play is hilarious to look at, by the way. Like they that is the only time they've run that play this year. Um, and and, they, and the Rams talked about it afterwards. They were like, We thought they were in single high safety because Minka was the only safety on the field. Like they had him drop back, they had Patrick Peterson drop from corner, and so he ends up being basically a safety into a cover too Mm -hmm. and then tj so they're playing zone defense tj's covering like a curl to flat and reads stafford's eyes he's going to he passes off the coverage to Minka on 
Skronik, I think he was covering, passes off that coverage, reads Stafford's eyes, jumps in front of Cooper Cup, and almost takes it to the house. But it's like, <laughs> I everything the seventh career interception, by the way, for TJ Watt, just finding ways to impact football games, even if he himself is not getting to the quarterback, he's going to make a splash play at some point throughout the course of a football game and uh, just continues to impress me. So I, I think that he was once again you know, kind of the catalyst for turning this football game around because the Rams had the lead. They scored that late touchdown in the first half. I don't even know what in the world to call that two, two at well touchdown where he basically pitched the ball off from Patrick Peterson, Levi Wallace, but no idea what those two are doing on that one. Um, but the Rams get the ball to start the second half and you feel like, okay, if they can put a drive together here with the way the Steelers offense is going, they're almost out of this football game. If the Rams can put a drive together here. TJ turns this thing on his head, gives the Steelers all the momentum, and we saw how it turned out. So once again, TJ Watt impacting football games. He's the best player in the world. I think he's, especially if you want to talk about defense, he's definitely the def- best defensive player. I, I Argue with whoever you want. I don't care what position, whether it's a safety, whether it's a corner. I don't care. He's the best defensive player in the world. And I think you could have the conversation that he's the best player in football. And yes, that includes against the likes of like Patrick Mahomes. I, I think that how valuable he is, he is one of the most valuable players in all of football, regardless of his positions. The impacts that he has game in and game out, like you were saying, this is something that the Steelers needed in this game. It was nine to three going into the second half. The offense wasn't moving the ball. You needed a spark. TJ provided that. And how many times has he provided that before? I think the conversation should shift to he's the best defensive end to not only is he the best defensive player, but arguably the best player in football, period. I mean, again, I it's hard to argue. You know, I, I, I'm i so sick of the comparisons, obviously, with Miles who is an awesome player, too. Both sides are going to think the guy that plays for their team is the best defensive player in the world. In well, the nobody game, wants he just to talk had... about, too, the outside linebacker and defensive end are different positions, but... Right. I mean, because TJ is in a position on that where you are never going to see Miles lined up in, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Miles does things that TJ isn't going to be asked to do. So like jump, yeah. jump over the middle of a line. <laughs> Stu- that's that was stupid. Yeah. <laughs> but um, they're both they're both th- those to me are one and two. I would put those two guys above the guy that just won defensive player of the year last year, Nick Bosa, I would put them over Micah Parsons. Now, again, you're and people who are fans of these teams, they're going to go to bat for their guy. And I get that for sure. hundred percent. We're a Pittsburgh show. So TJ I'm hitting Watt, the grand slam for my guy right now. They're going to bat. I'm not striking <laughs> out. Listen, he's the best player in football. I'm hitting the grand slam right now. Um, but yeah, obviously again, turning this game on its head, the way that he has, the Steelers are four and two and you, where are they at without TJ Watt? So I, I think that he Where's does franchise certainly... at without TJ Watt. I think that's a serious question. Where's the franchise mm-hmm. at in as a whole if they do not have TJ Watt? Probably probably picking a lot higher in drafts. Probably. <laughs> if they don't have TJ Watt, that affects a lot of things mm-hmm. like you're not gonna have a good enough defense where you trade for Mika Fitzpatrick. I think that the it, it affects your team more than people are going to realize because of a single guy. Like, T.J. Watt is, in in the sense of how how much gravitational pull he has for a franchise, he is the franchise quarterback, in, in quotations, 
of this team where that's how much pull he has as a player. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And you look at another guy that obviously doesn't have that same level of impact, but Minka Fitzpatrick, I, I thought too, like he didn't have an interception this game. But once again, just being asked to do things that, you know, hopefully we are, as we go throughout the season here, see him be able to move away from. They were able to, you know, one of my keys, you brought up one of your keys earlier, was to neutralize Cooper Cup. Two catches for 29 yards. I know he had a couple drops in this game, but even with those, because he, he heard footsteps. Like, yeah, he would have been at like four, six, four and 60 or four and 50, 50-ish range, somewhere around there, probably even with those. Um so, you know, I, I felt like they held him in check and that was the goal of what they wanted to do. You know, let everybody, Putin Aku would go and offer 154. I mean, I think that they were not necessarily okay with it, but you take that because you were able to hold Cooper Cup I mean, down. That's That's been the Steelers' defense this season, though, right? Like, they're mm-hmm. going to give up a moderate, in some games it's moderate, in other games it's more dramatic, a moderately big game to at least one of the receivers, but they're going to keep the rest of the defense in front of them. That guy's going to get his, but the rest of the defense is going to be held in check. And so, yeah, Puka was able to go off, but ultimately, how much impact did Puka having all those catches and stuff actually change the game? Like, obviously, it made it a little closer, uh, and they were able to move the ball, but ultimately, like, it's not like he scored a touchdown. It's not like, I, I, I just don't think that them giving up all that yardage to him, obviously, you don't want that, but I don't think it had a huge impo- impact on the game itself. Also, while we're talking about Puka, that was incomplete. Let's let's just let's just keep it a buck. And this is a this is a BYU fan saying that. Okay, that was yeah. incomplete. And I will concede that that was incomplete, and say that Kenny was also short on that fourth down. I yeah. I I can fully well, admit yeah. both sides of that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Kenny is like a visual thing. We can clearly tell he's short of the sticks. The Puka one, you actually have to look at the rule book and go based off the interpretation to say that it was incomplete. Because I, I, I just don't know. They how consider you call that, that a toe tap. Yeah, yeah, that's not. I, I don't. <laughs> I mean, we saw last year with T. Higgins doing the exact same. I thing don't. That it wasn't I don't see the tap. difference in someone catching the ball on their toes and then their heels touching the ground. Like if they're if they were landing behind them, I don't see the difference between that and what Puka did. Except Puka was falling in the process, and so that's yeah. why they considered it a toe now, tap. I, I don't. Now, if you, if you want to say that you feel like that should be changed, that it is a catch to do that, then that's a different conversation, but that's not the way that it's laid out and it hasn't been called that way. So by the role, that should not have been a complete pass. So people that are like complaining about Tomlin challenging, he he got it right. He got it right. Everybody the refs got it wrong. And Dean Blandina who came on and explained it, got it wrong. I, I just, I don't know how this has been called this way. And even in the the same day, Jake Bobo of the Seahawks, basically the same thing as Puka, mm-hmm. but it, it and it also got called complete. And I'm like, what? Are, are, did they change the role over the summer or something? Like, what are we doing? But uh, yeah, shout out to Puka. He got his yet again. Uh, unbelievable talent. And uh, man, I I don't know based off you know because with what CJ Stroud's doing in Houston and stuff, he's got to be on the short list though for, for offensive rookie of the year right now. I mean, I don't know that he's getting talked about in that light, but like CJ Stroud, him. I mean, if he keeps up having like seven or eight receptions a game, like it's, it's yeah. going to be hard to argue, especially for, I think he's proving that he should have been drafted higher than the fifth round. 
regardless oh, of oh, where, yeah. where where you look at where you looked at him in the pre-draft process like he's he's the number one receiver out of that draft class right now you know i i remember talking to jake about him when me jake and derek did a mock draft i brought him up because you know jake's really into receivers and i asked mm-hmm. him about him and at the time he hadn't watched him yet so i remember telling him that he's probably not gonna go until day three but i would take him on day two and i probably more like round three than round two i'm not gonna say i was like super high on him compared to anybody else but I remember the reason that I asked Jake about him is I, I thought he would be perfect in Green Bay. And obviously that didn't happen. They took some other guys like, uh, you know, I like Jaden Reed a lot, too. They took Dontavian Wicks as well. I'm not sure if Wicks went before or after Nakua. But like if you if they made that swap, Wicks out, Nakua in for Green Bay, where is that offense right now? I mean, you know, I, I think he has that type of impact. He's been a safety valve for Stafford with or without Cooper Cup being part of the equation. So um, yeah, I've been I've been highly impressed, but I, I want to transition that Puka Nakua talk because he, he had 154 yards in this game. But when covered by Joey Porter Jr., zero yards in this game on three targets. Uh, Joey Porter Jr. played more snaps in this game than Levi Wallace. So I want to ask you, Jags week, Joey Porter Jr. going to start? Yes, he has to. He's your number one corner. I I don't I don't see an argument against that he is your number one corner right now. I thought he played great on Sunday. I think his play has been elevated every single week since he started to get more snaps on the defense, and he's been getting more and more snaps defensively. I think he needs to start because I think it's been clear. If it wasn't clear in the Ravens game, I think it was clear definitely in this Rams game that like he has turned into your number one corner. And unfortunately, I feel like that is not only a a praise to Joey Porter Jr., but it's also an indictment of how Levi Wallace and Patrick Peterson have played up to this point in this season. They, the level of play that you expect from those guys hasn't been there, and Joey Porter Jr. has risen to the occasion several times this season. I think that he deserves to start, and not only deserves it, I think he needs to because he's your number one guy on the outside. Yeah, I think the... I don't want to say conundrum because I'm in the same boat as you in terms of him needing to start. But I do think that we saw a little bit of why the Steelers haven't trusted him to play in an every down role yet get showcased because of his tackling technique. And I do, I I say technique because I don't think it's an unwillingness to do so. I just don't think he's very good at it right now. Um, And I think funny coming from his dad. Yeah, right. Exactly. So that's why I I do think that like the desire to be good in that area is there. I don't think it's going to be an issue as we go on here, but right now it's, he's not very good in that area. So you can understand why, you know, somebody that I assume is a stickler for that. And Mike Tomlin hasn't been able to throw him onto the field in every down basis. Um, Another thing too, is obviously he is really good as like a press man corner. He wants to get his hands on you at the line of scrimmage. That's where he excels is just, you know, being able to be sticky on guys. The other two in Levi awesome. and Pat, the other two in <laughs> Levi and Pat are not going to play, man. You know, they're zone corners for different reasons. Like Patrick Peterson, especially at this point in his career. Uh, I mean, we saw that crossing pattern that Puka ran on Sunday. Patrick Peterson trying to keep up with him was, you know, as bad as that Nico Collins touchdown in the Texans game. And here's the thing. Puka, Puka's not even fast. Right. Yeah. He's compared still to some receivers, he's not <laughs> yeah. fast. 
Right. He's got like 10 plus yards of separation on Patrick Peterson on that one. I actually thought Patrick Peterson was okay on Sunday in doing some, they played him all over the field. I think that he can play some different zone coverages, but clearly like he can't play man. And that's the conundrum the Steelers are in. Like, what do you do? Play half of the field man and half of the field zone? Like, how do you, and you can't rotate Joey. The in offense with is never going to see it coming. <laughs> you can't like rotate Joey in with them because it's going to be a tell into what you're doing when he's on or off the field. Like, okay, they're going man or okay. They're going zone based off if Joey's on the field. So I, I don't know how you get around that, but Maybe you have, I, you have Joey play man and Levi play man. And then you just have Patrick Peterson play more of a, a Rover type of player. And just basically you feel it out. Yeah. You, you don't I mean, cover in man. I, I think the asset that he brings at this point is being able to read quarterback's eyes. But, you know, again, I just, I, we're well past the point of him being able to, to play man. And, uh, I, so let's, let me ask you about this. Then we talked about DeAndre Hopkins or Hunter Renfro or any pass catcher, you know, that's out there. If it would be worthwhile for the Steelers offense to add them on defense, do you think it's possible that the Steelers kind of look at the corner market or if it's not corner, do they maybe look at the safety market? Uh, to be able to let Minka do some different things. Like, uh, I'll throw this name out there. He was already moved once. If the Titans are going into a sell mode, what reason do they have to keep Terrell Edmonds? Could a reunion there make sense? Like, are there some guys out there? Do you think Do you think the Steelers will be in the market for a defensive back? I think Terrell Edmonds could make a lot of sense, especially because the contract that he signed with Philly, we were like, yeah, why couldn't he have done that in Pittsburgh? They would, they um, would owe him $200,000. For the rest of the season, if they acquired him, right yeah, I, I think that 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 reunion would make a lot of sense. Uh, you and I were definitely Terrell Edmonds uh, defenders in a sense. Like, obviously, we we there was still faults of of his game, but we were defenders in the sense that like people, I feel like overlooked the value that he brought in in his role that he was asked to play. I think a lot of people um, thought he should have been better in having ball skills or, or coverage in that sense, but. That was never the type of player that you were going to get with him, but I do think he added a lot of value to this defense, especially when I it mean, came to having Minka as a partner. Right, it allowed Minka, Minka to, to be able to do what he was able, able to, to do as a as a traditional free safety. I think that would make a lot of sense. And as far as corner goes, I think that you should look to add a corner just because, like we said, you're limiting yourself if you're playing Patrick Peterson because you have to play in zone. And Levi Wallace has been a disappointment up to this point in the season. Joey Porter Jr. is your clear number one, by the way, 78% of the snaps defensively this weekend. He's going to make that even higher this upcoming week against the Jags. I'm just saying that now. Um, but I'll just say this, and I saw this name thrown out several times, not just to the Steelers, but just in trade talks. I would give up my first and more for Patrick Sertan. Yeah. I, I think that that would be a great addition. Um, obviously, going to be a lot of, of of a trade package that you need but Patrick Sertan that's a true number one corner he's a young guy still uh, on the rookie deal I think that that would be a great addition and I mean imagine having Joey Porter Jr. and Patrick Sertan as your quarterbacks of the future I mean, that, that that back end of that defense would be shored up right away it's going to take a lot to get them but as long as you're not trading away anybody like TJ or Minka or or someone like that in the process I don't care. You could go get them. Trade trade a first round pick and a third round pick, or a trade a first and a second, or whatever you want to do. I think that would be a great addition. Obviously, there's other corners out there you could go get, but that is definitely like the one that is the most attractive right now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't get it from Denver's side. 
to even be like, I guess you have to say you're listening, right? Like if somebody comes to the table and is going to offer you like multiple firsts or something like that, and they're obviously not close and you got to try to like recoup pitch to, to make up for that Russell Wilson debacle that's been, but man, to me, that's a guy that even if you're going into a rebuild, you keep around. I mean, he's only in his third season. Like I, I really don't get any of the smoke that's there. Um, but if he is on the table, I think every single team in the league should be calling whether you're contending right now or not. Because again, I know he's going to be doing extension, like he's extension eligible after this season. Uh, and I'm sure he's going to want paid. He's without question, one of the top three corners uh, in the NFL right now. So I know that he's going to be looking to get his money, plays a premium position. Don't know what that contract's going to look like, but yeah, I mean, I'm with that. That is like going big game hunting right there. If you were able to swing something like that, um, you know, Jalen Johnson of the Bears, another very good player. I there's been talks that like they're talking that his agent's talking extension with the Bears right now. So we'll see if he's even in play. But that's another like you know pretty young player. He's one year uh, older, so he was drafted in 2020. So he's on the last year of his rookie deal. Um, and then you know there, there's other guys that are maybe like, but do they go big game hunting like that? looking towards like a future piece that they feel like is long-term or do they look for like another, not Levi Wallace this year, but what they got in Levi Wallace year one, where it's like, you're just talking about a guy that, you know, can come in, be plug and play right now. And you'll look for a future solution down the road. That's probably the smarter move. And I was going to, I was just thinking while you were talking about Patrick Sertan, that it would basically be mirroring what you did in 2019. If you went for a guy like Sertan, because mm-hmm. even despite uh, having, I, I having, think they'd probably be giving up more. But, well, no, I, yeah. I, I, you'd be giving up more. But I, th- I'm, I, what I mean by that is like you're going after the big fish, even though your offense up to this point has been a mm. disappointment, and your defense is definitely going to be the one to carry. Like they would really be just buying. You're making the, the strength strong. Your defense yeah. is going to win you games. That's that's what the that trade would say to me. Um, but I do think that it's smarter to probably. Uh, or not necessarily smarter, but that's probably what the Steelers would tend to do is go for someone that is a more plug and play for this year, a cheaper deal that, that could get done. Um, and, and someone like a Levi Wallace or someone like a Steven Nelson in the past that some of the, they, someone that's not necessarily uh, a premium, but they could come in and play and, and, and bring some value to the outside there. And uh, while I'm talking about value, the, the Terrell Edmonds one makes so much sense to me. Now, if you want to yeah. get Minka back to being just a traditional free safety, too. Yeah, I I mean, we've talked about it on here. We don't know the reason, but like the reason that at least I, this is just my personal opinion. I think the reason that him and the Steelers decided to do different ways was a, a philosophy thing. I think Terrell Edmonds, Mike Tomlin, they were like, listen, let's take a look at our secondary. We want all these guys. And I, this is also why I think they prioritize KZ over Edmonds ball skills. I think that that was something that they were prioritizing within their entire secondary. They wanted everybody to be able to take the football away. Bringing Patrick Peterson, a guy, you know, actively, or no, uh, Harrison Smith actually passed him. So second right now uh, among active players in interceptions. But I think that that is why they decided to move on from Terrell Edmonds. But now you've seen what life after him looks like. And while you were prioritizing ball skills, you inadvertently took it away from Minka, though. So mm-hmm. while Edmonds himself might not bring that to the team, 
he allows somebody else to be in a position to do so. So it's not necessarily about what Edmonds is doing himself to me that makes him so valuable. It's about what everybody around him is able to do because of his presence. And how lucky are the Steelers that they have a guy like Minka to be able to move around where basically wherever the Steelers need yeah. need him to be on the defense. I mean, we're not happy that he doesn't have an interception this year, but you look at like, okay, somebody has to be doing these assignments. Like, again, Cooper Cup, two catches, 29 yards, largely because of Minka's presence on him. Uh, it wasn't Debo Samuel that ate the Steelers alive in week one. It wasn't Hunter Renfro, you know, that got them in week three. Um, who did they play in week two? I don't even know who he's played mostly against the week two. Actually, that first rep, he was on the and it threw the, the Browns off, and then Alex Highsmith has the pick six on the first play of the game. He's lined mm-hmm. up on the outside against Amari Cooper, like for, as an outside corner. And I'm sure the Browns are like, what the heck is this that they're showing <laughs> us right now? So, I mean, regardless of if we are on board with the assignments that he's done and want him to be doing different things, he's been good at whatever he's been asked to do. He still takes away half the field. Like whatever whatever he's his coverage assignment is, it's not being thrown to all that often. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, it's a credit to him, but you would certainly like the Steelers to be able to do something to get him back into a better position. All right, so Jaguars week. Um how do we see this one playing out? You know, the Steelers are playing not just the Jags, but their upcoming teams um, that they're going against, they have an opportunity to to have the offense take a step forward because they're playing some not-so-good defenses. Um, this Jags specifically, I feel like the Jags offense scares me a little bit. Um, I, I trust our defense, but when whenever you have a guy like Trevor Lawrence um, who can be a stud, and then you have uh, Calvin Ridley and uh, Christian Kirk, and then you have Travis Etienne in the backfield. I, I feel like there's a lot to for me to worry about. Where um, when I just look at the team as a as a as a uh, like a roster, but I think that the Steelers have an opportunity here to win some football games and to to perform well. I, I think that the Steelers are going to win on Sunday, and I think that they're going to win. Um, and you're going to see the offense look better you're not going to have to rely on your defense to put you in good field position in order to move the football i think that if i'm going to put a final score on it i will put it at 27 to 20 steelers are going to win Hmm. okay you so you think the jaguars defense is overperforming this year or what because their numbers are like they're uh okay so they're dvoa which I don't know if are you familiar with DVOA? What am I a nerd? I don't know. <laughs> uh, okay, so I mean DVOA is a statistic. It's on the offensive and defensive side of the football. It's defense adjusted value over average. So you know, obviously, this goes one through thirty-two. The ranking uh, they are on overall eighth offense. They are thirteenth uh, total offense, tenth in passing, fifteenth in rushing. Defense, they are fourth total, sixth in passing, sixth in rushing, and even their special team, seventh. So they're pretty well rounded as a whole. But um, so the when you said like being able to take advantage of their defense and stuff, you just feel like they're overperforming right now, or what? Like given their personnel, I do. I do. I mean, the the one guy that I I I think that is good, you're definitely going to have to worry about still is Josh Allen. Stud. Um, yeah, absolute stud. 
But I, I think that they're, the Jags have been overperforming on the defensive side of the ball. I think that there's an opportunity. I like their off-ball linebackers. The, Devin Lloyd and Foye Aluakun. Um, is Tyson Campbell like. playing for them? It's not that I don't like. Uh, also, I, I do like Devin Lloyd, unfortunately. Freaking Utah Ute. Um, the, the, they're, who are they taking? The, Trayvon Walker. Pick yeah. doesn't make still doesn't make sense to me. But... Whatever. That's what yeah. that's what happens when you draft only off traits and not off game film. So Tyson Campbell might be back. He was limited. They had five starters either limited or didn't practice on Wednesday, but it was Wednesday, so we won't have a better indication of that till tomorrow. But Tyson Campbell's a really good corner too, so uh, we'll see if he is able to get back. Have we have we been in agree? Have we been in agreement every week this year? So because we're f- like the Steelers at no, least last I'm week. Last today. week we were different. Um, I predicted the Steelers loss, and you predicted the Steelers win. Oh, I said okay. the Steelers were going to lose twenty three to fifteen, and you said the Steelers are going to win eighteen to fifteen. Okay. Um. So yeah, I I get the Jags in this one, so we're going to be different again. I am not going to be incredibly discouraged by that. I think that the Jaguars are one of the top five teams in football. Like I think that highly of them, and it's also a little bit like. I don't think like the bills aren't the same this year. Like there's teams that I feel like are underachieving right now. And I think the Jaguars are kind of starting to hit their stride. Winners of four, of their last five, or have they won four in a row? Four of the last five for sure. Maybe four in a row. Um, but really since that loss to Houston, I feel like they've, that was kind of four a wake up call for them. Yeah. So that was kind of a wake up call for them. And I've been impressed with what they've been able to do on both sides of the football. You know how big of a fan I am of Trevor Lawrence. I think he's got all the pieces there. Um, and I, I do like a good bit of what they have going on defensively. To your point, I think that they could definitely use another pass rusher on the other side of Josh Allen. But like, I like their pieces uh, other than that. I mean, you got at least one guy at every level. Uh, when you talk about Devin Lloyd Foye Aluakun, when you talk about Tyson Campbell, Andre Cisco at safety, like they got a, a, at least one piece everywhere on the field at all times. So, um, I think this could be a very good game. I've had this one circled since the beginning of the year. I'm going to say 27-21 Jaguars. So our scores are basically flipped, almost. I said 27-20. 27-20, yeah. Yeah. All right. Yep. And again, I, I will not be discouraged by this game just based off that result. Now, if we go out, show nothing offensively again, you know, there, so there's, there's 27 to 3. Yeah. Like there is a there is a world where I think that we go backwards from where we are right now, but I don't think just the result would do that for me. I think that this is a really good jag. I think if as long as you win two of the next three, all three at home, right? You got Jags, Titans, Packers, all three at home. You better you win, win the Titans game. Three. For personal reasons, for a lot of reasons. I mean, that team, the trade deadline is before that, so you think that other than Kevin Byard, who's already been traded, that team is going to look very different by the time the Steelers play them. Is there any chance that the Titans trade Derrick Henry? Apparently, there's like they're saying that's a good chance. It might be to the Ravens. <sighs> yeah, man. Imagine him and Lamar in the same backfield. That's stupid. But um, is long okay? So say that the that's not the worst though. Say that a team in the division gives up like a second round pick to get him, doesn't win anything, and then he's gone. You Imagine know? him behind the Brownzo line. Yeah, well, that's that's honestly. I think those are two of the top three or three or five 
betting odds oh, for him. That'd be ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. But we'll see. We'll see how things play out. Uh, we'll see if the Steelers make a move. Again, you know, you mentioned it earlier. It's not necessarily we can't go based off old tradition when it comes to Steelers. They haven't been the same Steelers under Omar Khan. And we'll see if that holds true at this deadline. Move Chase Claypool last year. So kind of on the other side of that. What a fleece. What a fleece, by the way. We haven't really talked about that on our show. What a fleece. He's not even in Chicago anymore. And we got the 32nd overall pick for him. Yep, which turned into Joey Porter Jr., who we expect to get his first start on Sunday. So, um, anything else? Uh, nope, that's it. Uh, just go Steelers. That's all. Keep winning. And, <laughs> I like it. In the comments, let us know your score predictions. Uh, one of us is going to be right. One of us is going to be wrong. So, whose side are you going to be on for this one? I imagine, I mean, we all want Tyler to be right, but I imagine the predictions will also Naturally. kind of coincide with that uh, as Tyler mentioned at the beginning of the show check out the description where you can find year six uh, of rocking around the 412 the gofundme link is right below we give uh christmas in its entirety to kids in the local 724 and 412 area codes thanks to you guys donating money every single penny goes towards that mission and in return you guys are gonna be eligible to win some great prize as long as you donate at least ten dollars right now for sure we know we got pens tickets uh, we're about to talk about like letting you guys Peeling back to the curtain here, we're about to go talk about the Penguins, and uh, things not off to the best start this year, but still, obviously, want to go see them in action. Going along with that, and Eric Carlson jersey will be part of that, too. And on a much happier note right now, a Joey Porter Jr. will be part of that as well. Um, so, obviously, we mentioned the local kids stuff also last year and going forward. We're partnering up with the East Rochester Salvation Army to give kids from their angel tree the Christmas they deserve as well in the name of our late friend, Dalton King, Kaylee, and Isla have teamed up with us for this part of the mission, and we're really excited about it. Also, shout out to Keats Barbershop, who's the sponsor of this show, is also going to be the official drop-off spot for people, because Kaylee set it up really cool. She's got people that are literally taking tags as well and going to make it super easy on us, so those people can just drop everything off at the barbershop, and we will take it from there. So shout out to Keek uh, for letting us do that, and he's going to take at least one tag as well. So shout out to him and his wife, Hannah. Uh, and then shout out to our friend Haley Wagner as well. Everything Custom Designs, her Facebook and Etsy links right down below. Get a customized shirt, hoodie, apron for Thanksgiving. Can't get a trick-or-treat bag at this point. And, hey, 2024, right? I mean, it'll be here before <laughs> we know it. Uh, maybe a stocking for Christmas. You'll or get again, it on time. Custom. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I bet you you'll get that one on time. Everything custom. Everything. It should be called everything besides hat custom designs because <laughs> you cannot get one of these bad boys from Haley totally different machine she's got some bs excuse for if you non headwear custom designs yeah there you go um but other than that for tyler for smitty this has been around the 412 go check out another one of our videos popping up right meow and we'll see you over there bye bye